be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, o Lord. In the course of his teaching, Jesus said to the crowds, Beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes and accept greetings in the marketplaces, seats of honor in synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour the houses of widows and, as a pretext, recite lengthy prayers. They will receive a very severe condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury. For they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she from her poverty has contributed all she had her whole livelihood. The Gospel of the Lord. Just to announce the death of uh, Johnny Land, aged 62, last Thursday morning, and to offer our condolences to uh, his sister Barbara uh, and to his niece Len and all the other, Len McKean and the other members of the family. Um, visitation will take place at the Canali Funeral Home on Friday at five o'clock. Is that right? Yeah. With the, I think the latest is that there'll be rosary at 6:30, and then the transfer of the body of uh, Johnny to the church here where he will remain uh, overnight in the church and then the funeral will be next Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. Eternal rest grant unto him O Lord and let perpetual light shine upon him. May he rest in peace. Amen. Just a reminder that uh, you can place your orders for cinnamon rolls after Mass to assist with fundraising uh, for the March for Life. And do once again consider going on the March for Life if you haven't already signed up for it. Um, uh, you know, it's very important that there be a, a huge uh, witness uh, in favour of life, particularly the life of the unborn, as our unborn brothers and sisters just seem to be coming under increasing uh, threats and danger. Uh, in, in our world today. And all the other announcements are in the bulletin. Today obviously is Veterans Day and we, it's a day to acknowledge all the, the service given by our veterans. I'm sure there are many of you here <clears throat> and uh, I'm sure you know that your service is greatly appreciated by your fellow countrymen and women. 
in my home country. It's kept as Remembrance Day today, and uh, I managed to hear early this morning on the radio um, the ceremonies taking place at the Senate, which took place at the Cenotaph on, on Whitehall, where the Queen and uh, leading politicians and others would, uh, members of the royal family also would lay wreaths. For on the, on the 11th hour, on this day, the 11th day of the 11th month, uh, hostilities ceased in World War I. And so ever since then, this has been kept as a, as a very special day of remembrance, not just uh, in England, not just here in the United States, but in many uh, other places as well. A day to recall, obviously, those who serve and have served. Also a day to recall those who have made the supreme sacrifice of their lives uh, for, for, their fellow, um, uh, for, for their fellow human beings. Today, if it were not Sunday, we'd be keeping a feast of St. Martin of Tours, who was a 4th century saint. He lived between the years 316 and 397. And he's, he was the son of a veteran, uh, a veteran of the Roman army. Uh, Martin was born in modern-day Hungary, which is part of the Roman Empire. He himself was enlisted to serve in the army. His parents and family were pagan, but he had heard of the Christian faith as it spread throughout the Roman Empire. And he made his own inquiries and came to a knowledge of the Christian faith uh, and became a catechumen, in other words, one who would, would be preparing for baptism. As I say, Martin served in the army, and one day he was, um, when he was in, he was serving in France, and um, he, he was dressed in his fine armor and beautiful um, cloak, and uh, there was a, a beggar by the street. Um, in, the weather was very cold, and there was the beggar begging for alms. And he was pretty much naked. And the story is that Martin, seeing this man's nakedness, took off his beautiful cloak and with a wonderful flourish of his sword, you know, sliced it in half. You know, you can imagine just a perfect slice there and bestowed the, uh, the half of his cloak upon this um, poor naked beggar by the side of the road and replaced the other half on his own shoulders. That night, Martin had a dream in which Jesus appeared wearing that cloak that he had given to the beggar. And Jesus said to Martin, See, this is the mantle that Martin, yet a catechumen, gave me. And uh, from that time on, Martin felt really cut to the quick, really, and he wanted to dedicate his life more completely to God. He, he decided to, decided to uh, withdraw from military service. It is, it's said that a bonus was given to all the soldiers so they would fight with greater enthusiasm in the army at a battle. He renounced that bonus, gave it, and asked that it be given to someone else, and himself did, dedicated himself to a life, uh, to be the life of a hermit, seeing that exclusive relationship with God. He was also, you know, those words, yet a catechumen, really, you know, sort of cut him also, so that he, he said, I can't be a catechumen any longer, I must be baptized. So he was baptized, lived the life of a hermit, and eventually was ordained a priest, and his holiness was so well known that um, in, in the town of Tours, when the bishop died, apparently Martin was 
sort of forcibly dragged into the cathedral and almost forcibly ordained a bishop. So, uh, so much did the people want him to be bishop. Of course, he was not ordained against his will, because that would not be possible. But it just shows that he did not want to be a bishop, and yet the people acclaimed him as a bishop, and he took on that role as a great pastor. So also, maybe Martin is, could be a patron saint of all you veterans as well. Martin served, served in the Roman army, and then he served his lord and master in a different way as well. And we think of the sacrifice that veterans have made and others in war. And we think also of the sacrifice of the widows that, was, that is presented to us in the scripture readings today. The one at Zarephath, there, there she was with her son. There had been a drought declared. Elijah the prophet had declared a drought because of the sinfulness of the nation. Elijah himself was suffering the effects of the drought. He had managed to you know, live by a river and get water from that river. Eventually that w- river dried up and the Lord directed him to this widow. And we, as we hear, Elijah asked the widow for some water, which she gives him, and then asked for some food as well. And the widow, as we heard, was preparing what she thought would be her last meal for herself and her son. And then they would lie down and die. But Elijah assures her that that will not happen, to make the, make the meal that they were thinking for themselves. But first of all, he said to make one for me. And the, women, the woman, the widow there, has faith in this prophet, does as she is, as she is asked. And we hear that the jar of flour uh, does not become empty, and the oil does not run out either. And in the temple, we see also the faith of another widow, She has faith in the temple. She wants to make her offering to God. She is placing her her few small coins in the treasury of a temple that is run by the scribes that our Lord had just earlier condemned for devouring the houses of widows. And yet this woman is conscious, this widow is conscious that she's not giving the money to the scribes, she's giving it to God. And it's God who judges her heart and her generosity. She has faith that if she makes that offering, giving all she has, God will provide. And I've always thought in my mind when I've read this gospel of uh, uh, the, this widow's little old lady with a cane perhaps, you know, staggering up sort of on uh, infirm legs and putting, putting her offering there in the treasury. I was quite taken by the image that's on the front of the bulletin this week of a young widow with three children. You're all looking good, yeah. (laughs) A young woman with three children, including a babe in arms. And still she goes to the treasury with a family to support. She had every reason to say, I can't afford to give. I have a young family to support. Yet she gives out of the abundance of her generosity. What great faith she knew that God would provide. And so she wins the Lord, Lord's praise because in giving all she had, she had given more than all the others. See, it's not the amount, but the abundance of her generosity that wins the Lord's praise. And when those of limited means respond faithfully to the full extent of their means, they express deeper faith than do those of greater means who respond only in part. St. John Chrysostom, an early church father, comments on this gospel, One cannot buy heavenly things with money. 
The kingdom is, is not bought with money, but rather with an unsullied intention and a Christian disposition. Without this disposition, the one who has 10,000 talents will not be able to do what can be achieved with just two small coins. Because whenever you have many things but give a lesser amount, you have given alms, but not the same kind of alms that the widow gave, for she gave everything and received the supreme gift of God's praise. So today's scriptures perhaps are an opportunity you know, to accept uh, an invitation to examine our own hearts, particularly when it comes to giving. Many of you have participated in the Our Faith in the Future um, uh, capital campaign. Many have not, and so I'm sure you'll examine yourselves to see whether you can still participate in the campaign. And those who, you who have participated, you know, will examine yourselves also and see if you win the Lord's praise that you've been, you have given out of the abundance of your generosity. There have been many generous contributions to the capital campaign. And I'm not referring to the size, but to the abundance of generosity, to the disposition of heart which, with which they have been given. People respond so generously to the needs of the poor in this community through the St. Vincent de Paul Society, for example. How wonderful it is to see how generous people are, giving what they have so that others who have not can have something. And they might be mindful, we might be mindful of, of Martin's dream there, in clothing that naked beggar, Martin had clothed Jesus Christ himself. Many have contributed to the Pastors Emergency Fund, which has enabled me to assist uh, needy parishioners in your name. I'm very grateful for that. Or we can think of our weekly offerings, our contributions to the parish. Do we really give, you know, of our, uh, really give what, what we have? Or do we calculate a little bit? Could we have more faith in what we give there? Um, bear in mind, you're not giving to the scribes, you're not giving to the priest. Uh, I hope I'm not devouring widows or anything like that. But um, you know, even if, even if uh, you know, you're not giving, one doesn't give to the church for those human reasons. One's not buying a service. And if you think you're getting a good service, you give more. If you're getting a poorer service, you give less. Give to God with faith that God will provide and he will look upon the abundance of our generosity. You know, we really do need to have this great notion of gift and gratuitousness. Life itself is a gift. And Pope Benedict XVI, in his social encyclical Caritas in Veritate, Charity and Truth, speaks about the, how important it is that this sense of gift and gratuitousness is present in our society. Economic systems need to have this. They can't just be governed by strict contract and exchange. Neither can they be governed by a political system that redistributes wealth on behalf of the people. It has its place, that can be there. But it can't, can't be an exclusive domain of the state because then it becomes obligatory. We must pay our taxes so that the poorer can be better off. There must also be that willingness on our part that we help those who are in need. Solidarity, Pope Benedict writes, is first and foremost a sense of responsibility on the part of everyone with regard to everyone. You know, thinking of this human dimension of, of our economic relations even, I'm reminded of when I used to go to the marketplace with my mother 
and uh, you know she'd come with a few of, few of her children in train and things, things weren't sort of strictly weighed and bagged up as they are in, in our super, supermarkets but rather you know you'd, the, the, the market storeholder would weigh the provisions, the potatoes, the vegetables, whatever it is see the weight and then charge the price and so often the market, the storeholder would say and here's a few extra you know that sense of gratuitousness not the strict uh, justice uh, that gratuitousness also needs to be part of our the spirit with which we give to God and to our neighbor and above all this is an act of faith we can learn from the two widows in today's readings uh, about their faith they give because they have faith in God let us also in this year of faith ask for an increase in faith even in that dimension of our lives about how we how we give uh, to the church and to those in need.